see Brother Yance. Yeah. Anchor's holding for him. He lost his son. But he's rejoicing in this song. He's raising his hand. He's weeping. Yes. See Sister Vicky back here. Amen. Been battling leukemia for years. Weeping and rejoicing because yes. her anchor is holding. Praise the Lord. If you put your faith in a solid rock, you will not be moved. You are like a tree planted by the waters. And whatever comes, that tree's not moving. Those, those roots are deep in the ground. And they're getting fed by that living stream. And that's how we can be. We can have a living stream that bubbles up within us. And it feeds our soul day by day. And we can rejoice when we're facing trials and tribulations. Things that you couldn't even imagine you could go through. But God can show up on the scene and help you. And hold your hand. Actually carry you through those things. And think of the the poem, the footprint. He carries us. He doesn't leave us in the times of trial. we got a sister Sharon back here who's been dealing with stuff. Her body's really attacking her. But she's here this morning. Every one of you. I've seen a lot of wet faces this morning on that song. And I'm thankful that God knows what we're going through. Each one of us. He knows what every one of us goes through. And you know what? He cares. He cares. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. Good morning, everybody. Thank God for the good singing, huh? I mean good singing. Somebody says, what makes good singing good? God's spirit. Somebody can start singing. Singing about God. And people start crying. That's the Holy Spirit. God is good, folks. Whether you're saved or unsaved, God is really good to the unsaved. Just the fact you're still alive and got time left over. All things work together for good. You know why? Because God is good. He can take bad things and turn them around for good. Because God is good. Ephesians, the fifth chapter. By the way, some want to be baptized. And if you know that you're dead to sin and you're living for God, let me know and we'll have a baptismal probably after our upcoming revival next week. And by the way, next week, Next Sunday morning is Friends Day. We're having a big meal after the service for everybody, and we're going to launch our revival. So we're looking forward to that, and if you're able to join us, we welcome you. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and I want you to begin at verse 6, and I want you to listen to these words and tell me whether or not you think what was written 2,000 years ago is up to date right now. Ephesians 5, 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. Stop. What are we hearing today? Through 90% of the media's vain words. Leaders, politicians foaming out their shame. Trying to convince you and trying to convince me What's right because everybody is doing it? Well, the Bible says don't follow a multitude to do evil. What makes a thing right and what makes a thing wrong is no other than the Word of God. If you're getting information from any other source, you're probably going to miss a whole lot of truth. What God's Word says is right is right and what he says is wrong it's wrong and what he says is light is light and what he says is darkness is darkness and what he says is good is good and evil is evil he's right all the time so tell me this text doesn't fit today let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things and people leave this part off the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Because people are buying into 
all the vain words, all the lies that are being told over and over and over again thousands of times a day. They don't know that the wrath of God is abiding upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Don't follow them. Don't follow a multitude to do evil. Listen to what God's saying. For we were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather stand up and refuse and reprove and let them know what God says is right and what God says is wrong. See, you got to have some intestinal fortitude to be a Christian. Because we're living in an evil time. And most everybody out there has bought into that evil. And whether or not people are legalizing it, whether or not people are saying it's right, you've got to look into the Bible and see whether God thinks it's right. And then you need to make a choice. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship of the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them, done of them in secret. But God sees everything that is going on in secret. But all things, verse 13, that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth doeth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, not from the grave, but arise from being spiritually dead. And Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk wisely, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. I told you last week, and maybe the week before that, and I'll tell you again. The most misunderstood person in the world is God. But it's our business to find out what God thinks. I want to talk to you about something that is very common to all of humanity. And probably most of you would say to yourselves, well, that's easy. What is common to all of us is our humanity, our flesh, this bend we have towards evil. And we would all be right. We have the propensities. We have the desires and the urges being human to want to lean the wrong way. That's why we need guidance. That's why the Bible calls us sheep. That's why we need parents and we need good leaders. Because it's not in us. It doesn't make a difference who you are. It's not in you. It's not in me to direct our own paths. Humanity is bent in the wrong direction. But that's not the commonest Paul is driving at. Look at verse 16. Let's read it out loud. Redeeming the time... Did not I just say, let's all read it out loud? I see that. That came out of an 86-year-old body who can't hear a thing. Thank you, brother. Let's start again. Redeeming the time... All right. Yes, amen. Can you see the two factors that are common to man? 
among other common things. But there's two things in this verse that you need to focus on and you need to pay attention. And I know that you are. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Time, we need to start focusing on time and we need to start focusing on all the evil. Jesus said himself, sufficient unto each day is the evil thereof. That's why he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, because every day is filled with enough evil for anybody to have to deal with. These words in verse 16, they come at the end of a series of sharp rebukes and warnings to all the faithful saints in Christ Jesus. Paul warns in verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Politicians, leaders by the thousands, every day, in every walk of life, are foaming out their shame and their filthiness by supporting lifestyles that God's word says is an abomination. And everybody is buying into this idea because everybody is doing it. It must be right. Wrong. Your kids come into, come into the living room and they say this and that. And, and the parent knows immediately whether it's a good thing or a bad thing and says wrong. But mom, everybody's doing it. No, not everybody's doing it. There's some people that got their mind straight when they met Christ. Hey, I feel like preaching today. Why? Because everything around us is evil. And there's not enough preachers that are standing up or saints that are going to stand up and tell it like it is. And I'm not here to be arrogant or insult anybody, but I'm going to tell you it's too late to be playing games. It's too late playing religion. And Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. He came to bring a relationship with him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Just flip over the page of your Bible to Ephesians 6.13. Just turn over to, to chapter 6, verse 13. Wherefore... Take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand where, when, in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he tells us in our text, awake thou that sleepest and rise from the dead. Redeeming the time, buying up the opportunities to wake up because the days are evil. Paul and the Word of God are painting in vivid colors the contrast between the corruptions of society and the holy living of the saints in Christ Jesus. And I dare you to read, in fact, I'm going to do it, I dare you to read Ephesians, the first chapter, and just the first four verses. Listen to this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, listen, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus according as he hath chosen in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And you got preachers standing up and say, I sin, you sin, we're all sinners. No, this was ordained before God created anybody and created the world. That we should be holy and without blame. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect and we never make a mistake. We got a lot of baggage, you know. 
Amen. What is the commodity which we all, which we are all asked to redeem? Paul said, buy back. Get back what you lost. Go back over your life and retract and pull back. Re, re means do it over. Go back and look at the time that you wasted and start redeeming the time, spending your time right because the days are evil. Our kids are being swept away. Marriages are being swept away. Churches are caving in. The government already caved in. You shouldn't say that. You didn't call me to preach. You think it's an easy job up here? I got more devils trying to torment me than I got hair on my, well, no that you got here on your head. Listen. America has lost the fear of God. And they think that they're going to escape the wrath of God. You haven't seen any wrath. You haven't seen anything so horrible as the wrath of God. Oh, wait a minute, preacher. God's too loving. Too loving for what? To send me to hell. Well, who broke the rule? Who broke the law? Who just smashed right through the word of God and said, God, I don't need you in my life. You are sending yourself to hell if you get there. All God's trying to do is keep you from getting there. And we don't have the wisdom to understand the difference. You know what Ecclesiastes 5, 8, 8, 8, 5 says? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. Wow, what a verse. And a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. America has lost the fear of God. That means he knows both what he ought to do and the right time to do it. We are overwhelmed with duties, responsibilities, obligations, and hundreds of needs. We are all being tested by God who is watching us to see whether we're doing the right things or the wrong thing. He's watching us to see if we got any reverence, any respect for the word of God. But we, we, we enjoy running God out of our culture. Well, look what happens. How are they getting along? They're killing each other every day. They're raping women every day. They're sending hundreds of thousands of children into sex slavery every day. They got homeless people living in the streets in some of our most beautiful cities in the United States, and they're defecating every day in public on the streets and then picking it up and throwing it at the cars to go by. How are we getting along, folks? Go ahead and call 911 or call the police. Someone's trying to break in. Then listen to the silence for about two hours. You try to get around this or try to get along without it, you are a fool. You don't even have sense. Oh, Have they lost their sense? Well, Senator, what's, who's a woman, Senator? And they start giving you that spiel. Well, you can't offend them. 
You can't say that. Some, someone might feel like, you know, they got, hey, if you got something living in your body that's the opposite of what God created you, you listen to me. It needs to be cast out. So sick and tired of what's going on in this country. Charles Darwin, who we all know, thinks monkeys are our uncles. But I want you to listen to what he said because he knew how to save time. And he brought a very devilish ideology into play in all of our academia world. But he said his golden rule was taking care of the minutes. A man who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of life. I love this one. These are true. Napoleon, oh, you got to listen to this. Napoleon stopped at the door of a barber shop and asked a former hostess if she remembered a young officer named Bonaparte who came in and was quartered in her family. And the woman said, indeed I do. And a very disagreeable inmate. He was, he was always either shut up in his room or he walked out and he, con- he, and, and he never condescended to speak to, to speak to any people. Bonaparte answered her, Ah, my good woman, had I passed my time as you wish to have me, I should not have been in command of the army of Italy and ruled half the world. Be careful when you go into a barber shop. You might get your throat slit instead of your haircut. Amen? Redeem the time for the days are evil. The most common gift that God gave us is common because it's the only thing that is common to all of us, eight billion of us on this earth. We are all different in our shapes, our sizes, our backgrounds, our cultures, our nationality, our thinking, our intellectual promise. But eight billion people on earth And what we all have in common is time. We all have the same 24 hours a day. And what you do with it depends whether or not you make it or you break it. We all got the same amount of time. God took care of that. Sun comes up when it's supposed to. That's what we have all in common. And what we become and what we end up looking like and what we end up doing is all determined upon how we spend our time. The rich and the poor, the young and the old, male, female, all have the same 24-hour day. Every ethnicity all have the same amount of time. None of us can stop time. I tried to stop time when my wife was dying. I wanted so much for the clock to stop. I wanted her to get well. I pled with God. But time doesn't stop for nobody. Father, time just keeps on rolling. Time waits for nobody. And nobody can control it or slow it down. 
But here's the secret. While nobody can control time, time can be managed. Time can be utilized better. It can be redeemed and more smartly lived. And what every human being turns out to be is determined on how they spend their time. You, me, you, and I, we are building our own lives. Nobody's living your life for you unless you lost your identity. Then you're going to wear everybody's clothes and you're going to talk like everybody and you're going to dress like everybody else. That's because you're lost and you lost your identity. But as long as you got your identity, you are responsible. So I want to ask you, what are you doing with your time? How are you living it? How are you spending it? What are you doing with it? And what every human being turns out to be is determined on how they spend their time. And what you or me become depends on what we are building. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking stand. Stand. Every time a new year rolls around, what do we do? You know what we do. We do the same thing year after year. We examine our lives. We look back over the path, and we say to ourselves, oh, wow, I'm going to change. I'm going to make a resolution, and every year we don't. Because we develop bad patterns and, ha- and, and habits through the old year, and we spent too many hours and days squandering precious time. Actually, every time we come to church, you ever stop to realize it? Every time we come into God's house, God is giving us opportunities to align our lives up with the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time we hear the word of God, every time we have an altar call, every time a song is sung, every time the choir sings, whatever God is doing, He's giving you and me another opportunity to get our minds right. When we come come into God's God's house and listen to the sermon and worship God and hear about his love and forgiveness, peace and joy, we are being given opportunities to bury our past failures, our sins, our bad habits, and get rid of all our baggage. So time becomes either a blessing or a curse, depending on how you use it. Time can make you, and time can break you. James says, what is your life? In other words, James is saying, how old are you? Your life is even a vapor. It appears momentarily and vanishes away quickly. Thus, we've got to catch it and redeem it and take advantage of it before it escapes us and leaves us no better and with no hope. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him that doesn't know how to take advantage of his time, doesn't know how to redeem his time, to him it could become sin. Time is the passing of your life. And when you die, you move out of this time world into eternity. Don't you realize God has cut out of eternity a little space called time. And on the beginning, it's eternity. And on the end, it's eternity. There's no ending. And as a tree falls, so shall it lie. Do you know what's at stake? Your soul is at stake. Your future is at stake. And since none of us know what the future holds, sounds to me like we better get saved. 
God has set limits that we cannot exceed. The day for dying is approaching every one of us. We all love our pastimes, don't we? We all need R&R. We all need vacations. We all enjoy our pleasures. Yet we all know because of what God says in his word that nothing in this world can satisfy us like God. The Bible says God created us with eternity in our hearts. And that hole that's in your heart and that emptiness that's in your heart, only God can satisfy you. The world can't satisfy you. That's why they keep doing the same stupid things over and over and over and over again. Because they're trying to find that Happiness, they're trying to find that key. But God's the only one with the key who can satisfy our souls. Jesus put it probably in the best perspective it could have been put in. What? You can gain the whole world. But if you lose your soul, you've lost everything. Yet we must never forget that our vacations, our R&R, and all of that, we must never forget that they are only pastimes. They only serve to pass the time. But it's not quality time. It's more for the outer man It's more for the flesh man than it is for the spiritual man. God didn't create us to come into this needy world just to drift aimlessly through life, to pee and poop on sidewalks, to sit there and inject our bodies with needles. But our government allows it because they're so filthy dirty for just votes. And what a judgment. You want to know something? Today, as a Christian, you have no right trying to support a democratic platform because it's become evil. And I'll debate you over it. They've lost their minds. They've lost their way. Because they're smart. They don't need God. (laughs) Yeah, amen. Psalm 39, 4, Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 90, so teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. Lord, let me know how much time I have left so I can leave, live my days wisely. Time measures life in the past, present, and future. Life is full of seasons. Last year I was sick. Last year I had a wife. I was broke. I was lost. I got divorced. Now I'm saved. I've got a job. I'm no longer six. Time protects us from living in a permanent condition. That's why God give us the seasons to change things along the way. You people that go to Florida, 
you missing the boat. I had to throw that in for my snowbirds. Time protects us from living in the same permanent condition. Listen, you won't be divorced all your life. You won't hurt with grief all your life. You won't carry a broken heart all your life. Because one day time is going to heal you. You won't be sitting around sad and lonely because you're single. Hey, young people, one of these days you're going to get married. And have a hubbin. Just make sure you got the right hubbin. Make sure you got the wife, the good, the right wifein. Amen. Time changes everything. Right now, your pastor is lonely, but time may change that. Ooh. Lord, get me out of this jam. (laughs) If you're lost without God, that's how you're spending your life. If you're suffering under addictions and bad habits, that's how you chose to spend your life. If you're unhealthy, it's because you didn't spend your time exercising and jogging. If your home and your marriage is under stress, it's because you haven't been using your time properly. Time is so powerful that however you spend it, that's what you become. So what you are going to do with time. Have you thought of doing a little house cleaning in your life lately? There may be some people that you may have to drop out of your life this year. What about some of your entertainments? What about running around with people who say GD and JC and F this? What kinds of things or people are you going to allow to spend time and camp in your life? Time gives you time to change the things in your life that ought not to be there. How often do you get into a conversation for hours that leaves you with no stimulation, depressed, and no inspiration? How many times have we said, where did the time go? It's so easy to squander time. So God help us to enjoy life but spend our time a little more wisely. Time to learn better things. Time to learn more about God and his wonderful word. Time to get to know and love our families and our friends. Time to keep ourselves healthy, wealthy, and wise. Time to become more spiritual and like our Lord. Time to bring us closer to our goals, to our achievements. Time to serve God and time to care for and help others. Time well spent is more important than money. Our time can make us or break us. Realize how easily we can devalue our lives and miss golden opportunities to find greater fulfillment in our lives just by marking, or excuse me, just by making better use. You know what I learned as a pastor over the years? You'd have to be a pastor to appreciate this probably. I learned over the years that if you're broke and I'm broke, you're bad company. If you're always complaining and then I find myself starting to, to, to complain, I need to run away from you. If someone is cursing all the time, hand them a bar of soap. 
and moveon.com. We can capture, recapture, re, re, recapture loads of time if we just watch less TV, less video games, less phone conversations, less soap operas, and less reading of love novels. Amen. Wilbur kissed Minerva, and they wandered off into the wild. But then they come running out of the wilderness because they had no clothes on and a bear was chasing them. (laughs) Hey, trust me when I tell you this. You'll be better off listening to my sermons than hanging out with the world. Trust me. Time is never going to come to you and say, use me more wisely. We can't slow down time because time is a speeding freight train. All we can do with it is either manage it or mismanage it. So what are you going to do with the time that you have left? It's going to be over before you know it. And we can be thankful that, hey, I love this. We can be thankful that the aging like dash... Let me get this right. And we can be thankful, this is how I wrote it, that aging like the dashboard of our cars gives us warning sounds. sounds. The, the, the lights on our dashboard let us know, hey, you're running out of gas, you got something wrong, you need maintenance, you need to get to a station, uh, get, find out what's going on. Well, there's an anatomy-type system inside of us. And when grunting and mowing and funny noises come out of us when we try to stand up or bend over... That's our anatomy letting us know something's wrong. God created us just perfectly, didn't he? Amen. What you doing with your time? I'm closing. What are you going to do when you leave this service? What are you going to do with the things in your life that are in an uproar, that are taking you apart minute by minute, day by day, that are pulling you down, that are robbing you of your happiness, that are robbing you of joy. Do you realize how much you can improve your life, improve your spiritual, improve your appearance, just by spending some of your time more wisely. How many of us know that time is a gift from God? That's why our text says in Ephesians 5, 14, wake up, awake thou that sleepest. Why? Because you can live your whole life as though you were asleep. And millions of them out there are living just like that. When you're asleep, You don't know a thing that's going on in your life. You're oblivious. You're oblivious to the dangers and the snares. You're oblivious to your own life. You're oblivious to how the devil is making a fool out of you. Awake awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. I got saved just before I was shipping out, came home for two-week vacation from Fort Bliss, Texas. And I went home for a two-week vacation. And I was headed to Korea for an 18-month stay. And when all the GIs were running to the clubs and drinking and running with the Korean street girls... You listen to me. 
Young man, you listen to me. I was in my barracks reading my Bible, listening to sermons day and night. I was organizing Bible studies and Andrew dinners where Andrew invited his brother. We invited people to come and hear a testimony, hear a song, hear a little sermonette. And 17, 18 GIs gave their hearts to God. And when I was discharged and returned to my home in Schenectady, New York, I received orders from a higher power than the U.S. Army. God spoke to me out of his word and told me to move out for Newark, Ohio for training under another kind of sergeant called Pastor E.A. Wilson. And he was a sergeant. Terry knows. I used to sleep in bed with those guys. Pete, Terry. They would make all kinds of noise and just carry on. And the sergeant in the other room, quiet down! This is what they did to me, those boys. EA would come into the room. He'd just have his shorts on. He'd come in that room. Dad, it's Tony. (laughs) And I got my butt beat, and they laughed and giggled under the sheets. (laughs) Did I lose you at butt? (laughs) Don't start acting like a wallflower. Yeah, that's how it happened. Those guys threw me under the bus a hundred times. Why do you think I only stayed there a month and moved out? (laughs) True. And shortly after that, I was called and I was ordained to preach by God. Something you couldn't have talked me into at any time while I was in sin and running around with New Yorkers. They were crazy then and they're crazier today than they've ever been. Because their ideologies, their platforms don't line up with God's word. And now you know the rest of the story. It was a coincidence? No. It was luck? No. It was happenstance? No. It happened because I spent 18 months in Korea. Maybe that was my Arabia. And I learned more about God and more about the Bible and more about the revelation than almost all the young people when I came to Newark. God schooled me. Not because I was smart. If you, hey, they threw me out. They threw me and my brother out. We didn't get to graduate with the, with the rest of the class. They didn't want us to disrupt the ceremony. We were so bad. It's the truth. And my stupid brother, he's telling the principal, well, our uncle died. Not knowing how stupid he was, my twin. I hope he's listening, because I'm smarter than he is, and he went to college. (laughs) So he tells the principal, yeah, my uncle died. My mother, you know, so broken. Principal calls up, Mrs. Bartlett, I'm so sorry to hear that your brother died. What? Well, yeah, your, your twin just told me your brother died, and you all went to the funeral. She said, I'll take care of it. And you know when my mother got us? When we were in the bathtub with no clothes on. And she came in with the hose. And we started doing the mashed potatoes.
You kids don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? I'm closing. Come on, come on. Justin, come up. Please. Some people come up to me and say to me, this is a pastor's life. They come up to me and they say to me, I want to talk to you. And I say, okay, okay. So we meet. And then we meet somewhere in a restaurant and they come down, they sit down, they say, and I say, so what do you want to talk about? And they look at me and they said, I didn't want to talk to you. I want to know if the Lord has told you anything to tell me. And I want to look at him and say, yeah, the Lord told me to tell you to get lost. And if you want a revelation, what thou doest, do quickly. Now go. How can we redeem the time? The devil knows we're too smart to commit sin. That's why our lives are filled with distractions. And if that doesn't work, then there's procrastination. If any of us escape from wasted time, we've got to protect our priorities with a passion. One of my weaknesses as a pastor is I try to make everybody happy, and you know that I do. But I realize that's impossible. The simple solution is if I can just keep and make God happy, then everything else will work out. And sometimes the chips will have to fall where they're going to fall. If you try to keep and make everybody happy, you're going to go to an early grave. We've all been wasting enough time Let's do something about it. Let's make a commitment. Let's ask God to help us. Let's redeem the time and triumph over all the evil that's trying to cause us to miss the greatest ending life can afford us. And that greatest ending that life affords us is that we will be ready when Jesus splits the clouds. And so shall we be caught up in the air. Jesus ain't doing nothing on this earth when he shows up again. The graves are going to open up and are glorified. New bodies are going to come out. And Jesus bringing the souls with them. And so shall we all be with the Lord. There's no millennium. There's no lion laying down with the lamb. There's no going offering the sacrifices. There's no purgatory. There's no nothing. You're going straight to meet God. Whether you're saved or lost. If anybody in this message has reached you, if anybody needs to make some adjustments or ask God to forgive them or to ask God to help them, to start managing their time better. Some people just worship God whenever they get a notion. That's not good enough. Some people pray only when they're in trouble. That's not good enough. We need to start getting serious about our time and our God. Why not take a moment and have a word of prayer? I'll pray with you publicly from the, from the pulpit. Everybody, all of us. We need to recapture lost time. That's by living right in the present time. Did I make sense this morning? Did God's word make sense this morning? Of course it does. 
So would you like to stand? God bless you. If anybody needs to come, the altars are open. Turn to page 129, please, in your big book, page 129. God bless you this morning. In this gospel day of time, grace to save and keep from evil and to make your life sublime. We're going to sing one more verse, and this is what came to my mind just now forcibly. And I want you to answer it yourself before God. If you knew, speaking to everybody, if you knew this was going to be your last service, how many of you would just stand there and walk out when this service is over. You want to know the answer? The larger percentage of this audience would be down here. If you knew, if God showed you this is your last opportunity How many of you would be standing there and walk out of this service? And if you know, and if you know in your heart that you need to make an adjustment, and I'm not saying this disrespectfully, you would be the biggest fool to walk out of here because there's no guarantee there is absolutely no guarantee that you'll ever be able to come back into another service. So you do some soul searching as we sing one more verse. I only mention that. It's not a gimmick to get you to come to the altar. It's a gimmick to get your mind right and to be ready. Do you understand? To be ready to meet God. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Just one blood got to stop. One clot's got to go astray. Instantly, you can be looking eternity in the face. And only a fool would walk out. This is the hour of grace. So we'll sing one more verse. 
and we'll leave it with you. Been a great audience. God bless you as we sing. If anybody needs to pray, this is the last verse. While in life is time accepted to Bless you, Daryl.